Welcome to the 2023 American Association of Zoo Veterinarians Annual Conference Recap. Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a passion for animal conservation. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, and conservation organizations. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, anyone who can help me in my mission of connecting my people to animals through their people. Join me on my raw safari. Hello, hi, hello, welcome back to the Rasafari Podcast. Y'all, this is the second week in a row that I'm going to be recapping one of the major conferences that happens in the zoological community in the United States every year. And uh, some of you may be thinking, hey, you know, I don't know, two, two conference recaps in a row, don't know if I want to listen, or like, hey, I'm not a vet, Maybe, maybe this isn't right for me, okay? No, no. Sit down and shut up. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But stay. Listen, I want you to understand how amazing not only this conference is, but this organization is. The truth is, I think that um, one of the things I came to realize while covering this conference this week is how little the overall like zoological world pays attention to zoo vets. Now, I'm not talking about each individual facility. Obviously, we all know that keepers talk to their vets and um, have great relationships with them. And y'all have heard a ton of that kind of stuff on the podcast. But in general, it just feels a little bit like maybe a lot of the zoo veterinarians are the hidden gems of the zoo world. And so talking about what this conference meant to them, as well as talking to some people who helped bring the conference to life, uh, was very exciting for me. And I really think you're going to enjoy this episode, okay? So what we're going to do here is we're going to start off, just like last week, with a little recap of kind of my own experience of the conference. And then we're going to get to the guests, and we have some really awesome guests this week. We're going to start off with Dr. Meredith Persky from Jacksonville Zoo and Botanical Gardens. Okay, now you've heard Meredith on the podcast before. You love Meredith. I love Meredith. We all love Meredith. Meredith is just as wonderful and charming and insightful in this interview as she was in her own interview. It's a great time, and I'm really excited for y'all to start this off by hearing her. Then we're going to go to another veterinarian, uh, Dr. Taylor Gregory. Now, Taylor is the new vet at the Greensboro Science Center. I know you're shocked that they're back on the podcast. Uh, and it was our first time meeting. So you'll get to hear all of that and kind of her take on things. Well, we'll talk more when we get to her portion of the interview. And then you'll get to hear from both Julie and Sydney. Julie Best and Sydney Kirk both work for the American Association of Zoo Veterinarians. Julie more on the AAZV side and Sydney more on the Wild Animal Health Fund side. And y'all know how important the Wild Animal Health Fund is to me and to zoos at large. So uh, there's a lot of good content coming up. But um, yeah, let, let me start off by just kind of telling you what my conference experience was like. Now, for me, this journey started off back when I interviewed Dr. Robert Hilsenroth, who is the head of the AAZV. 
And uh, when I interviewed him, he said that I could come to the conference and cover it for the podcast. And I said yes, because, well, duh. But also, uh, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little intimidated at the idea. Now, last year's AAZ conference had already happened, and I had covered it, and it was great, and I felt very comfortable there. And even though this year's hadn't happened uh, when that invitation went out to me, I knew I'd be going, and I knew it would be fine. I'm, I'm part of this world. Spoiler alert, y'all, I am not a zoo veterinarian. And so I was a little nervous about what the experience would be like. And I, I talk about this in one of the interviews, so I won't go too deep. But I was also really excited and just honored to be invited. This is a really prestigious group, y'all. So uh, I, I said yes. And then um, it turned out that it was basically right after the AZA conference. And so uh, Zoe and I piled in the car after AZA. And uh, we we had one day of downtime in between. And by downtime, I mean, we drove to Cincinnati. We went to the Cincinnati Zoo and had an incredible time. And then uh, we got dinner with great friend of the pod, Colleen Adams and uh, her husband, Ben. We had an amazing time. Honestly, I laughed so hard that I was in pain from how hard I was laughing. I I had such an amazing time. And then we drove to Nashville. And uh, the first couple days of the conference, for most attendees, are pretty light. A lot of people don't even show up right away, but um, the people that do get to come and do these kind of labs. So Zoe went and did a couple of those, and I know that she had a really good time, particularly in the dental lab, where she got to learn all kinds of cool dental things in a lab kind of way. I don't know. I wasn't in the room. I went to the Nashville Zoo and uh, had a lot of fun at the Nashville Zoo. So so that was that was my priority. Um but then after that the the main conference got started. And it's it's very different than AZA in a lot of ways. Um for starters, pretty much everyone is in one room. You will hear that there's kind of a a secondary lecture series that that was there. Um there are basically two conferences happening at the same time and you could bounce between the two. But uh beyond that Everyone stays in the main room and listens to the various things that are presented. And whereas at AZA, there was a whole lot of stuff like, um, let's see, we had, I went to uh, one thing, like I mentioned, that was all about the accreditation status and, and how you get accredited and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, there was the choice and control stuff that we heard about with Sarah Lynn Bowser last week. There's, you know, PR stuff, very kind of accessible stuff. Well, the, uh, <laughs> the AAZV is a little different. So some of the things that, that you could hear were, um, factors affecting rearing and neonatal survival in tigers under managed care from 2010 to 2022. Melangestrol acetate and its effects on the reproductive health of female lesser apes under human care. Now, you may notice if you're paying attention and haven't fallen asleep from those names yet, uh, th those are both reproduction. And that's just one of the, the areas that they talk about. For instance, there's also a session or two on anesthesia. And so uh, we have total intravenous anesthesia in an Indian rhinoceros with an ultrapotent opioid-free constant rate infusion of butorphanol, ketamine, guaifenesin. 
Guayfenison, something like that. Anyway, you, you get the point here. Uh, it's, it's just really nerdy, sciencey stuff. But I have to say, it's also really, really cool. Um, I was able to follow some of it. I'll talk about this more in the interviews, but I was actually able to follow more of it than I expected to be able to do, which, uh, Honestly, I felt pretty good about, <laughs> not going to lie. And maybe, maybe that just makes me nerdy. I don't know. But, um, there was also like, there was a section on wildlife and conservation that I thought was really cool. There was a section on breeding and rewilding the mountain bongo in Kenya. The, um, I don't know. Wow. I literally know none of those words. Um, hair cortisol concentration in rehabilitating American black bears was another one that I found fascinating. Uh, carapace, keratitis of free living Galapagos tortoises implications for health. And even though I didn't, oh, it's keratitis, which is, um, yeah, a disease that can happen in, in carapaces of, of tortoises. See, this is what happened a lot as I sat in these sessions. I would hear these words or read these words and be wildly overwhelmed. And then I would realize I kind of understood what was being said. Uh, but don't worry. We're not going to go into all of those types of sessions right now. Uh, we're talking overviews. We're doing interviews. And we're talking to the people who really understood what was going on. I will tell you this. Zuday at this conference was the most amazing, insane Zuday I have ever been to anywhere ever. And you will get to hear about that in my interview with Sydney. So I, I won't spoil that now, but it, wow, just wow. Um, and, uh, I, I just have to say this right now. The team at the Nashville Zoo was top to bottom incredible. So when we did Zuday there, I have never felt more welcomed. I have never seen a staff that was so informed top to bottom from literally their head veterinarian all the way down to a docent that I spent like 20 minutes with who knew more about anteaters than I do. And here was the best part. I then went and told Dr. Heather, who is the head veterinarian at um, the Nashville Zoo, that I had met this docent and I was so impressed. And she knew instantly and she looked up at me and she was like, were you in the anteater barn? Was it? And I forget the guy's name. It started with a K, but she knew. And she's like, oh, my gosh, here's his story. And I was so impressed at this team because this is not a small zoo, not by any stretch of the imagination. And yet – um they all know each other and they all love each other and they work together. And I, I, y'all know I love zoo people. That's why I do this podcast. And I talk to amazing ones each week and I go to amazing facilities and see amazing staffs all the time. But I have never quite seen something like the cohesiveness that I saw from the Nashville zoo staff. I was blown away. So that's a little bit of my experience and you'll get to hear about a lot more of it throughout uh, the actual interviews. We talk about all kinds of fun stuff. So I'm going to get to that and uh, we're going to start off with our interview with uh, Dr. Meredith Persky of the Jacksonville Zoo. So enjoy y'all. <laughs> All right. So welcome back to the pod. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Tell everyone who you are and where you work. Sure. So I'm Meredith Persky. I am uh, the director of animal health at Jacksonville Zoo and Gardens in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah. And uh, I have to tell you a story. What's that? So when 
we did um, our interview down in Jacksonville together. You showed me how darting works, Mm -hmm. and you let me, like, hold the devices, and that was my first time ever working with any of that stuff, and it was so cool. There was a darting competition at Zoo Day at the Nashville Zoo here, Mm -hmm. and I got to shoot one of those guns for the first time, and I knew how to do it because of what you taught me. And I scored like a 24 out of 30. Did you really? My first time ever doing it. I was really proud of that. I mean, see one, do one, teach one, right? right? So, it was so amazing. Cool. That's and fantastic. I, yeah, I have to give you props because it was, I literally was like, yeah, I know, I know how all this works. This is That's cool. amazing. And there were only a couple, I did it right at the end. So there mm-hmm. were only a couple of vets around, but I scored higher than everyone that was there. That's impressive. And I, was, I was so happy. Yeah, that's impressive. Like, yeah. You need to put an asterisk and add it to your, <laughs> add it to your CV. Right. So thank you for that, for starters. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the conference. So um, I'm, I'm assuming that this is not your first rodeo. It is not, right. So uh, I went to my first conference actually in 2007 wow. um, in Knoxville, Tennessee. And that is where I met um, Dr. Yusuf Joffrey, who is uh, the other full-time staff veterinarian at Jacksonville Zoo and Gardens. And so we both were veterinary students way back then. And so it's kind of fun that now... You know, being together, and I think this would be what our like sixteenth friend anniversary <laughs> because of this conference. That's so cool. I love mm-hmm. that. This conference, more than pretty much any conference I've been to, really seems to facilitate that. Absolutely. Um, and I, I, I can't tell if it's just because it's so niche, or if it's just because it's honestly such good people. Maybe, maybe both. Yeah. Uh, yes, I 100% agree. I, I think it has mostly to do with the the people. I think the profession, veterinary medicine in general, and especially this group of veterinarians, um, is such a unique uh, niche of people. I think that everyone has their great stories. They all have their, uh, in my opinion, you know, they're the creme de la creme. And so everyone has a similar skill set, but it's those personalities that that make you unique, that you have those weird hobbies that no one else does. Um, and then also because we're communicating a lot of time in email about shipping animals to different facilities or, or sending test results or collaborating on projects. And so to be able to see these people, especially post-COVID, even though you're know, still in COVID, but, but um, hopefully on the other side of it or trending that way. And so to be able to put those faces with names and, and really it's a, a group of solidarity that, that, um, you know, that we get to compare um, stories between facilities and between our own. So it's it's really a huge, uh, almost like a therapeutic session as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Um, I, I'm curious. So you are the um, most experienced person that I've talked to about this so far. And I have to ask this question. Have you understood all of the words that are said in there? I understand a majority of them, okay, but fair, fair, fair. I mean, there are still definitely some that, or, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's the most humbling profession there is, I think. Um, and even to this day, you know, learning different species, different animals, different products that are out there, there's so much to learn. Um, I just want to be a sponge and take it all in. And that's, right. that's what this week is for. That's awesome. That's so cool. I, I genuinely have spoken to so many, not just for the pod, but just like at, Lunch just mm-hmm. now. I met with a bunch of veterinarians, and I, I make the joke. I'm like, yeah, I understand almost fifty percent, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is actually probably right, even though it's a joke. But um, and so far, I've not met anyone who has not said they haven't had a moment where they're like, eh, I didn't fully follow that. It's amazing how smart people here are. And uh, absolutely, how niche this stuff is right, and and so because cool. there are so many different species in so many different parts of the country, different parasites, or or we have international speakers that that 
dealing with separate things or, or dealing with the same disease, such as avian influenza, but across continents. Yeah. So globally, to be able to share that information and, and use a common language, and, and you're absolutely right, John, and I think 50% is really good. Uh, <laughs> my husband, Jay, uh, teases me a lot when, especially he was helping me study for boards back then, and and also um, coming up with how to pronounce certain things. And so definitely there's still so many species that I'm like, wow, I've never heard of you. How, how did I not know you exist? And then go down the rabbit hole. Yeah, and it's so amazing to me how things that should be the same, like in our brains, mm-hmm. aren't. Um, I remember the one presentation had something to do <laughs> with with uh, white rhinos. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> that's just about as far as I got with it. But first of all, I learned that um, rhinos and a lot of animals have third eyelids, which I did not know, yes. which I was fascinated yes. by. Um, and then the fact that um, one of the species uh, the, the of, of rhino, if you put a meter on the third eyelid, it gives you a very, I think it was an oxygen meter, mm-hmm. very specific reading. But then with a white rhino, it didn't work at all. And I'm like, they're both rhinos. They both apparently have third eyelids. But how many, like, we wouldn't know that. And if you were going to do emergency stuff where you needed an oxygen Mm -hmm. meter, again, I'm showing my lack of knowledge No, you're nailing it. But, um, (laughs) and you you used the thing that had worked on a southern rhino or that had worked on, you know, a one-horned rhino, whatever, uh, you would think it would work. But now there's research and y'all learned, nope, we can't do that. This is how we need to check oxygen levels. I'm blown away by how specific this all is. It is. It's fascinating. I mean, we take a look at human medicine, and and you think that's one species, and you look at the variability in, in medications that are available, and in in humans, we, uh, as with the animals, but humans, of course, go through a rigorous testing of pharmaceuticals, and and same with our animals. But to understand fully, okay, we understand that in a white rhinoceros, this drug medication is metabolized this way, but it can be completely different than the black rhinoceros or the greater one-horn or Sumatran or Javan. And, and so I think a lot of us are trying to figure out how can we learn what is abnormal if we're not sure what normal is. And so by working with other facilities and using global uh, 360 um, to be able to help develop normal so then we can understand what's abnormal and, and can we do better? Can we develop things that are more species-specific or... With the caveat, I'm going to use this machine, understanding that it's not going to give me the best information. How can we do better? Can I at least study trends in that way? Can we compare this to another animal? So it's it's always, I mean, that's an exciting thing and seeing the new generations coming up um, that, you know, forward thinking and and will hopefully continue to catapult us forward. That was the other thing that really shocked me. There were a couple of... um studies testing different meters of things. And they were like, yeah, this is like 76% accurate. This is 80% mm-hmm. accurate. We recommend using it because it's the best thing we have. Mm-hmm. In my mind, mm-hmm. as soon as I was watching the studies go by, and I'm like, oh, 76%, I guess this one isn't getting used. Oh, you do recommend using <laughs> it. Wow, we just C don't is know average, so much. right? Yeah, right? <laughs> but we just don't know exactly. so much. Exactly. It's, it's astonishing. Exactly. So I think getting out there and sharing that information and um and again having there's there's such a huge need for further research and projects and so we can take the best care we can of these animals. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's astonishing to me. Is there one or two um, specific things that you've seen presentations or posters or anything that really stood out to you that you were like, oh, that's really interesting? I, so many things. I mean, honestly, uh, to take back 
One of the nice things about this one in particular is that so many are clinically relevant. And so that research aspect is so important, but being able to have clinically based medicine is, is exciting. And so, um, even this afternoon or this morning watching on the avian influenza talks, um, on flamingos. And so we have flamingos and we know we have avian influenza in Florida. And so being able to adapt some of the strategies that have already been used, which we had done last year, um, but learning from other facilities, what signs did you see in those animals? It, showing videos, um, being able to use our technologies um, to to see baseline and understand this is what we saw. So if you see this, to go ahead and look for that. And also getting a chance to see some of the products that are out there and how um, we're also able to adapt different treatment devices for animals or they had a cordless ultrasound probe. How amazing, you know, when you're trying to work with a gorilla and you're worried that you're tethered to a, <laughs> a computer. <laughs> so coming up with different technology that we can use and adapt in field situations is exciting. That is really cool. Yeah, the um, I have to say, AZA wins as far as having the cooler vendor area. Mm -hmm. We got like stuffed animals and stuff. It was really fun. But this stuff all seems much more practical. <laughs> right. <laughs> you get a pen, which is very practical. Cool. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's been really cool to see all of this. Um, what's been just your like favorite, just like experiential moment? Like you've been here for a week. What's mm -hmm. what's the coolest thing that's happened to you? To me, that's a good question. Well, obviously, running into you know John Rossi is part of it, <laughs> and meeting your wife Zoe. Um, so that's exciting. Honestly, I was excited to connect you two. Yeah. I, I I yeah. I, I hope that y'all can collaborate at some point. Right, it's very right. cool. Yeah. Definitely. Um, honestly, it sounds cheesy, but it's really running into colleagues, running into um, my previous mentors or people that I've helped to try mentor and, and connecting and picking their brain, trying to ask, okay, I have this case of whatever it is um, in a giraffe. What can I do? And learning, well, the, hey, actually this vendor has a product that this may be relevant to take back to my um, institution. And so I had already emailed back in Jacksonville, hey, I'm at the conference, but I see this neat product. And oh, that's cool. So we can try that. So really a lot of it, again, goes back to connecting with the people that care for the animals. And, and we're all here for the same reason. And so it's neat to be in an environment of like-minded people that are so passionate about what we do. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, have you taken the time to go to Broadway at all? Uh, you know, I did not. Um, I did go the first night when we had the icebreaker, mm -hmm. and that was fun. And last night I went to a, uh, it's supposed to have a robotics theme and uh, some, some you know, cocktails, and, and that was fun with some colleagues. But I did not go back downtown yet, so I don't know, maybe tonight after the banquet. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying, it's, right. it's a lot, but right. it is worth, it's worth the trip. We went downtown, a group of us went down last night, and um, it was really funny having a bunch of vets running around in kind of my world. Right. You know, it, right. was, it was pretty and funny. And it's a wild group. I oh, mean, yeah. you yeah. know, again, the, the personalities there, the stories are endless. Um, working with animals, you're going to have some sort of story or, you know, terrible experiences eventually make good stories. And so sharing those moments, um, laughing, being able to kind of not be on call for a little bit and um, step away from the email for a few hours, uh, you know, is really re-energizing, invigorating, and, and gets us excited to see what we can do next. That is cool. And that's actually one thing I've noticed that I think the vets do really well here. Um, I actually had a bit of a problem here because I've connected with people and I'm like, yeah, we'll do an interview while we're at the conference or mm -hmm. like I'll have you on this or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and so we exchange cards and then I email them and I hear nothing. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess they weren't interested. They were just being nice, whatever. And then I run into them again, and they're like, are we going to record? I'm like, I emailed you. And they're like, oh, I'm not 
touching that right. this week because y'all are working. Y'all it's are such doing, a rarity. It's so, but I, the first time I heard that, I got like goosebumps because mm-hmm. I, I know how essential it is. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that's actually really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm glad. Kind of bummed. But also really bad for right, y'all. Right, so. to be able to put down the phone for a minute and have the interpersonal connections. Yeah. And, you know, still definitely checking in here and there. Um, but being able to step away and have a, a great team that's holding down the fort at Jacksonville Zoo so I can experience this and then pay it forward so they get to do the same. That's awesome. Now, you know, the, the last thing that I'm going to ask you here is um, obviously at Zoo Day, there was a lot of karaoke, mm-hmm. and and so I'm just wondering, is there anything you'd like to sing for my audience? You know, I <laughs> I think in the interest of your your ratings, um, <laughs> maybe after the banquet tonight, um, I did go up there when they called the Florida you the did. Florida I was crew impressed. up there, you so shot I did up there. Let's be clear, right? You did not yes, go up there. I you just shot I was there. waiting for that moment. Surely someone from Florida will get caught up there. So we sang. Uh, it's five o'clock somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, None of you so, knew the verses, right? At all. We we nailed. <laughs> the course. Nailed so. it. Nailed it. It was beautiful. <laughs> yes, definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Oh my gosh. Thank you for everything you do and for taking the time to follow up with me. I'm really honored to be here. Yay. All right. So uh, that was amazing. I love Meredith so dang much. Jacksonville has such, such an incredible person there. And I can't wait to see uh, all the cool stuff that she will be doing over the years down in Jacksonville. And then that brings us to our next doctor that we spoke to. And this is a new guest to the podcast, though you are definitely going to recognize the facility uh, because it turns out that our good friends at the Greensboro Science Center have a brand new veterinarian and uh, her name is dr taylor gregory and uh, becca from greensboro was able to connect us at the conference and so i got to talk to her about this we definitely talk about the conference but we also go off uh that script a little bit and end up just kind of talking about what makes vet med such a unique thing especially in the world of zoo vets i find all of this wildly fascinating so uh enjoy All right. So tell me who you are and where you work. Okay, great. So I'm Taylor Gregory. I am the VP of Animal Health or head vet, whichever you prefer, at the Greensboro Science Center in Greensboro, North Carolina. Oh, wait. You were talking about your title earlier and you said VP and I was like, I thought you meant vet person. But I guess it's like vice president, isn't it? Yeah, that's (laughs) either one works, really. They go hand in hand. (laughs) You're the vet person of animal health. That is your official title now. Yes. That'll work. If you come up and call me that at work, I'll be like, yep, that's me. I respond to a lot of things. Fun fact, I have two first names, two last names, two boring names, but I'm in fact a girl, so it whatever works for you. I love it. Very cool. All right. So we first met doing the Red Panda Cub painting at Greensboro. We sure did. And neither one of us recognized each other here because we never looked at each other because there were Red Pandas painting with us. I mean, when you think about it, you're in a room full of people letting watching these red pandas have a great time playing around. There's paints on the floor. They're getting to choose whether they walk across these canvases with the paint and whatnot. And then we're able to use that as a kind of connection for people to have these canvases in their homes and stuff. 
Why would you be looking at the people in the room? I wouldn't be. Nope. There's red pandas. They're cubs. They're very cute. They're having a good time. They're doing all sorts of red panda things. Um, I'm not looking at the people, to be honest. No, same. I, I thought it was hilarious um, because Becca, who everyone who listens knows, um, was like, you guys need to hang out. And I was like, I literally could not pick her out of a lineup. And you had the same exact thought. And we both did this incredible thing at the same time. But who cares? Because like you said, there were red pandas and they were painting. There's a reason we're in the field that we're in. And <laughs> the field that we're in, there's a lot of people involvement, which is great. But I think we all get focused when animals are around. Like, that's where my focus goes. So yes. it was, I think, very refreshing that we both owned up to this. Though. We're like, <laughs> you know, sorry, I, was, I wasn't sure we were going to recognize each other. But um, at least we figured it out and got connected. And that's what AAZV is all about. Yes, so. absolutely. Look at you being all on brand. I'm talking about red pandas and you're like, AAZV, nice job. <laughs> that's what we're here for. <laughs> So, um, this is uh, not your first uh, rodeo. You have been at AAZV a couple times before, and um, you've had a couple of different, like, vet positions in the industry. So, um, I'm curious kind of what your take is on the importance of the AAZV conference in general, year to year. Yeah, so um, just to kind of go over that a little bit. So, I've in the past couple of years, there's been a couple of different experiences I've had at AAZV. So the first AAZV I went to was in 2019 as a veterinary student. I think in 2019, I was either a second or third year veterinary student, and it was in St. Louis, and I only was there for a couple of days um, because as a vet student, you don't always get to come for the whole week. And at that time, the biggest importance I had at AAZV was meeting people, getting connections, figuring out where can I go for externships? How do I get my foot in the door? How do I get people to see my face, recognize my face, and get to know people so they can say, oh, hey, I have this application come across my desk for an externship. I I recognize the name from the or a familiar face from um, meeting this person at AAZV. So it's not just like a nameless piece of paper. And maybe that might get me in the door for that externship because they can be a little bit competitive. I mean, I know that gives a lot of vet students. It gave me a time, looking back on it, it gives me a less intrepidation, I guess, now, but also I'm now a zoo vet. So there's, you know, <laughs> it makes sense why it gives me a little less uh, nervousness yeah. now, um, having made it through the process. Uh you're looking to get that face, that familiar face with people who've made it and gained that it foot in the door. And then COVID hit, so there weren't really opportunities to go in-person conferences, and I didn't attend the online conferences because I was in fourth year. I was doing a small mill rotating internship where I would have been on clinic, so it wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to make it to the online conferences, and there wasn't that in-face, like, recognizability factor to it. And then um, last year I was an intern at the Fort Worth Zoo. And so they were very, very generous and thought it was really important for me to attend in order to get my face seen. And I was actually able to present at the conference from research I had done as a vet student. Um, so in this year, I'm not presenting, so I'm not up on that stage, which is very nice change of pace. <laughs> um, hopefully in the future, I'll be back up on there presenting research from this year, past years, as well as in the future but getting my face up there and then once again being the face-in-face interactions for residency programs or for jobs um, because either option is great. And then ended up going the job route. And now this year it's a very different interaction where it's like 
nice to see other vets who are the only vet at their zoos like I am um, or just connect with other vets who are not going that same route of I'm looking for that face interaction for a residency or a job. It's just like I'm connecting with my colleagues. Oh, we're sharing cases that we've had or we're just sharing like funny stories or just saying, hey, you know, do you watch this random show on Netflix or whatever (laughs) it is and having that like more like interpersonal work-life balance type like connections and having friends. And I've met people that I haven't met before because I sat down for breakfast and I was the first one at a table and now other people are like, hey, can I sit here? And it's it's a really, really nice thing to have that transition and be able to see it all in a relatively short period of time. That is really cool. Um, I'm curious now, do you have people that are trying to FaceTime with you? You know, and be like, hi, let's help me. It's weird because, yeah, um, which I like, I think because I was an intern not so long ago, it's very much, um, I had that a little bit last year too because I did the talks and I I did a talk, and bear with me here, I did a talk on um, serum transfusions in the thorny devil stick insect, which is like not something you see every day. And I remember having this vet student come up to me and invertebrate medicine isn't always represented at big conferences like this because it's one of those fields that there is there's a textbook out on it there is stuff being done in it but it's not like it's not your drafts it's not your elephants it's mm-hmm. not your marine mammals it's not all these big charismatic megafaunas it's not all these like heavily populated species it's like a smaller field sometimes but there's a lot of attention that it needs just as well because there's a lot of it represented in zoos and there was this vet student that came up that was so excited and I was just like, I'm an intern. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm so excited that you're so excited, but I don't, like, I, I'm, I'm not a DACCM. I'm not any of these things, but I, I want you to be excited, and I'm glad you're talking to me, but I just, like, don't know. But now, being someone who has a zoo and can offer externships to these people, it's still weird because I'm, like, I'm still not these things. Hopefully one day I will be but it's switching that mindset in my own mind of being, you know, like I can be someone who helps and mentors and do all those things. And I probably still was that last year because I'd made it to a step further than some other people have made it. Um, and like, I know everyone gets stressed about different ways of doing things and everyone has their own path, right? And you may be that year that someone needs to say, hey, like if I don't get an internship or I don't get a residency, like this person made it and maybe I can make it a different route too than the way that someone else I know made it. So I think we all have our own paths. We all do things different ways. Um, There's a poster out there uh, that's done by one of the NC State professors, and it talks about how like GPA and um, class rank don't necessarily play a factor in DACZM boards. And I think for people who are worried about how that plays into, because maybe they didn't want to do residency or boards or those things, but now they've had a change of heart. So maybe they had a little too much fun freshman or first year of that school <laughs> and whatnot, and they're worried how that's going to impact them. I think that might give them just a sense of relief of like, oh, I can still do this, even though someone may have a different opinion initially. Like, I think there's people that have had that route or there's now research saying like, hey, like you can still do this and hopefully I can be that ear. I didn't do a residency and I'm still going the boards out, but ultimately I'm still a zoo vet. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, that's really cool. I, it was something that really stood out to me uh, was I got to go to the new member breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm not a member, but Rob likes me. Um, but <laughs> uh, so I got to go to that and it was, I expected it to be a bunch of, you know, people in their late twenties, early thirties starting off. It was half that. And then half were like people older than me, people who got into Zoomed late, got into veterinary medicine mm-hmm. late. Um, it was, it was a, everybody was on their own path, like you said. And it really stood out to me because it was not a large group. It was only a few tables of people. And it was so much more diverse than I would have expected, yeah. um, which was cool. It was really cool to see, you know. Yeah. And I think that tracks with veterinary medicine. Like I always thought you go to high school, you go to undergrad, you get straight A's, you get all of this, you go to uh, directly into vet school, and then that's how it goes. And that was somehow my track, but also not quite because I uh, went, did all those things. And halfway through undergrad, I was like, I've spent my whole life trying to get to vet school. And at some point, something in my head snapped and I'm like, I like, I don't care. It's not that I didn't care anymore. It was just like, I found another thing that I loved and that was like outdoor sports and stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, I have my vet hours. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to go spend my time outdoors. And I picked up an outdoor leadership minor and I spent every week in camping and backpacking with class and on my own. I stopped working in vet clinics and whatnot. I lived in a van in Australia and went camping. And I don't think I worked with animals my entire like second half of my junior year and senior year, except for maybe like an odd end barn job. Somehow, I still got into vet school. I think it's because I lived in a van. Like, (laughs) I'm not even kidding. I kept telling people, don't do what I did, because what I did was a huge risk. And then when I got to vet school, half my class was not straight out of undergrad. Half my class, we had a 42-year-old retired military sniper who went through his first year, um, who went through his first year of vet school, and then took a leave of absence and came back a year later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love it. I love just, all of that. Everyone does their own path. And yeah. there were the kids who did the traditional thing of started working in a vet clinic sophomore year and stuff. That wasn't me. That wasn't yeah. half my class. So. You know, one of the things that I find interesting too, also in my world, in the entertainment world, is like the people that you see succeed are not always the ones that follow the exact path. I actually see a lot more. Now, I can only speak to my own world. Mm -hmm. But I actually see a lot more of the people who do what you're supposed to do, who studied music in school, who got a music degree, who practice every day for an hour, who read through the same books. You know, Stick Control is a book that, like, every drummer is supposed to play through. I haven't touched it since high school. (laughs) Not how I work. Um, They're the ones who often struggle to get gigs and struggle to, like, find their way through this career. And the people who just did it their own way are the ones who I interact with most. Now, I will tell you. There are, there are totally people that I work with professionally who are great who do that version of it for, for piano or guitar or whatever. But there are a whole lot of us out there on the road who like, like, I haven't touched, I haven't picked up a drumstick, um, you know, since my last gig two weeks ago and I'm, I'm chill. It's fine. I could also go sit down on a kit and slay right now. So like, I don't, I don't know. There, I think there's just something to it when you like, when you are passionate about something, that almost matters more and it can become just like a thing that you do as opposed to like I am a robot who must do this to become a vet or to drum or to what I, you know what I mean? I think there's something to that. Like I'm not surprised that and I bet the life skills that you learned living in a van down by the river, I mean uh, in Australia, um, were, there's some down by the river moments. <laughs> were, were probably things that will apply in a way that 
you know, if you just sat reading Fowler's every day, yeah. see, I know book names, um, the, you, you, you wouldn't know what, you know, you wouldn't be as ready for life experiences. And I think that's what matters when you're in the room, when you have a kudu that is coding, you know, um, and, and I think they both matter. I mean, you need the knowledge, obviously, but mm-hmm. like, I, I do think there's something to that. Yeah. And I think it's like, it's not the path for everyone. Like, I think that there is some, there is a lot to be said for residency programs and they work for a lot of people. And I think that the, that was a route that I wanted for a long time. And I think at some point last year, I realized that that's probably not a route that was going to work for me based off things that I was going through personally. But I also have friends who are in them now and they love them. They love the structure of them and they love all of that. And I'm so happy for them. And they're going to go out and be amazing zoo vets. And they're probably going to have things from those residencies that I'm never going to have. And there are people who have come out of those programs who are absolutely incredible. And I have a lot to learn from those people um, and I have mentors who have gone through residency programs and they've gone through different internships than I have. And I can learn a lot from those people and I look forward to that. But I also have mentors who have gone the experiential route and I have a lot to learn from those people. And I think one of the things I look forward to, because that's the plan I have, is to go through the experiential route to boards because there's two paths. Um, residency route, which is a kind of more quicker, more structured academic or clinical route, depending on which way you go, which residency you have. Um, and then the experience route, which is longer, more like clinically based, um, which is um, the path that I'll end up going. It's like you have to find your own structure and your own organization to the chaos that is zoo medicine. Um, <laughs> I think for me, that's what's going to end up going like work better because I'll be able to kind of do it my version of how I need to do. And I had a mentor who was much smarter than I am because she saw this very early on in vet school and she told me this. And I, to her credit, uh, she had the patience to let me say, no, I I think you're wrong. And she was like, okay. And I saw her here and um, she was like, you did it your own way. And I remember her telling me that in vet school and I was like, she's wrong. Nope, she was right. (laughs) And I was like, no, I'm going to do residency. And like, she told me, she was like, I don't think you're right for a residency. I was like, no, that's what I'm going to do. And turns out, no, she was right. Um, but I'm going to do it my own way. And I think for some of us, that's the right path. And mm-hmm. for others of us, the residency is the right path. And that's what makes zoo medicine an amazing profession because we all have a different way. And no one does a residency the same way. We all have our own way about it. And we all have the experiential path our own way about it. And some of us will go and get boarded. Some of us won't. Some of us will do part-time zoo, part-time dog and cat. And those people are great. Some people go in with a lot of small animal experience. Some people go in with a lot of large animal experience. And it's such a collaboration. And that's why AZB is so great because there's listservs and things. But this is the one time a year where all of us come together and you can go out and grab dinner with someone from California and someone from Chicago and someone from a small zoo in Mississippi and someone from a small zoo in Florida and everyone can get together and you can see what everyone's doing. And there's presentations where you may see a student who's worked on a project with 10 different people and you can go ask that student and they're the people who are actually helping to push the field forward because they're learning the gold standard of medicine every year that it changes from um, extraordinarily smart small animal and uh, ruminant people, which is different than what we do. And they have a lot more tools than we do in some ways because 
they have small animal and uh, ruminant and equine stuff that then we kind of adapt to the zoo stuff. And we kind of also make our own things in zoo stuff. So it's it's really, really cool that That's stuff awesome. like this exists. So. Yeah, that is awesome. What has been the, uh, like, the presentation or poster or whatever that like got you the most excited at this year's conference? Oh gosh, that's, that's a hard question. (laughs) Um, honestly, I think the ones that get me the most excited are the people that I know that are presenting. It's not necessarily a topic because I think all the topics are really, really Mm -hmm. cool, but I think it's when I know, like I have a friend, I have a couple friends who are presenting and it's like, I'm able to support them by like listening to their presentations at midnight the night before or (laughs) the morning of or whenever it is, or just being able to say the morning of, good luck, you've got this. Just take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. Or like, eh, you're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, Because like, I mean, a lot of us get nervous talking up. Some people don't, and that's great. I know last year when I was presenting, I was super nervous, especially you know, talking to a whole room of people about stick bugs. Mm-hmm. That was nerve-wracking. <laughs> um, but it's just like being able to give your friend that support because you know that what they're going to say, everyone's going to find really cool and really important. But it's hard to get out of that frame of being nervous of being able to support the people that you're really close to to do that, especially when they are students or they are younger in their career, just being able to provide that friendship to them. I think that's what I get more excited about because all the talks are cool. Everything is cool what people are doing. Um, So I think that's what I get most excited about. That makes sense. For me, it's Mm -hmm. when I understand it. Because I mean, I mean I'm not a vet. Like, I mean, I'm not a vet. Yeah. But I'm in this world enough and I talk to enough people. And a lot of times, like, I'll look at Zoe mm-hmm. and I'll ask her, I'll be like, you know, I'll be like, what are they talking about? And I don't know that term. And then she'll say, Oh, it's this. I do know that. I just didn't know the stupid Latin 42 letter name for it. Okay, cool, 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 cool. And those are the, the talks where I'm like, oh, this is neat. I'm learning more about something I know. And yeah. then sometimes people are like, we are looking at the effects of dextro meta, blah, 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 and I'm just, I'm, I'm out, which is fine. I'm not a vet. That's but okay. but it's so cool to see how passionate as everyone mm-hmm. is about it and how like excited they get giving these presentations. I mean, if it makes you feel any better, there's definitely talks there where I'm like, I know the surface level of this, but this is the research where they're diving into super deep deaths, and I need like the paper version of the talk because the talk's like, like okay, we're getting the surface level, but we're using like the deep level of the words, and I'm like, I get the gist, right? No, so, that's fair. That's fair. Cool. Is there anything else that you want to say about the experience here? Other than it's just amazing that we get to do this, and I hope that I get my goal is that with Greensboro that I get to keep coming each year. So, and hopefully we'll get to get a new vet on board and they'll get to come and it'll just keep get a part of growing and everything so yeah awesome i love it thank you so much for taking the time no worries all right so there you have it uh taylor is a wonderful addition to the team at greensboro and actually the day that this episode drops i will be there and uh hanging out with her a little bit um just kind of you know enjoying the greensboro experience so uh it was so cool to make a new friend at the conference as as you're hearing from these people you're realizing that that's actually kind of the goal for a lot of the people that go there so um i i got to do the thing which is pretty exciting now the one thing 
thing that I felt that I was definitely missing from my AZA conference recap was that I didn't get to talk to really anyone about the logistics of putting it all together. And so my next interview is with uh, Julie Best of the AAZV. And uh, Julie will tell you about her position, but she was really, you know, one of the people running the conference and making sure it happened and uh, doing a lot of the prep work beforehand. And she also gives some insight into the prep work done by other people as well. So I thought this was kind of cool. All right. So tell me who you are and who you work for. Hi, my name is Julie Best, and I work for the American Association of Zoo Veterinarians. Yeah, and so uh, we are at y'all's conference, and um, what is your like position? What is your title? Uh, I'm the Administrative Assistant of AAZV. Um, at conference, I am also the conference registrar. Ooh, I fancy. love that word. Registrar. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. So um, what goes into making this incredible conference happen? Oh, my gosh. There is so much that goes into it. Conferences planned three years out. That's a lot of time. That is a lot of time, but it takes that much time to okay. coordinate everything for this, from choosing the right location to lining up the food to feed everybody, the space to have all the didactic lectures and the workshops and rooms for everybody it is it is quite a process. Yeah, sometimes there are extra rooms that people break into and steal for their podcast recording. <laughs> hypothetically, <clears throat> hypothetically. Um, but yeah, no, this has been I mean, it's it's amazing the scope of what y'all have have accomplished here. Um, just in terms of getting 550 vets fed in a reasonable amount of time. <laughs> it's it's really cool to see um one of the things that I've noticed and I'm curious how like how you get there is how much the rooms transform. So like the lobby of the hotel is where you're doing registration, but then it also becomes six lunch lines. Mm -hmm. And the um the first day registration room is now a vendor hall. And like how much thought has to go into all of that? Oh, I a ton of thoughts. And and there's so many people that have their hands into the planning and the logistics of everything to make sure that um you know everybody is in the right place at the right time and also that everybody has the room to do what they're doing. You know, and say registration has the room for the lines of people to check in. Um, the lunch lines, you know, there's enough space to house. We actually have, if I'm remembering correctly, 555 registrants just to the AACV conference. Um, but also to be able to have the space for the exhibit hall so that all the exhibitors have the room that they have. And so, um, and it's not just AAZV that's here this year. Y'all are partnered with NAG. And can you explain what NAG is? NAG is the Nutritional Advisory Group. Okay. And um, ZWNF is also with them as well, which they're a nutritional advisory group, you know, for the zoo and wildlife animals to make sure that each and every species gets the nutritional needs that, you know, they require. Yeah, no, it's, um, so you can bounce between the conferences, which is cool. Like they're all in the same place and you can bounce it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Zoe and I bounced over to NAG for, um, just to get like an idea of what it is. 
And the nerds that are in NAG put the nerds that are in AAZV to shame. Um, it's so focused for those listening. Like there's a guy over there who is just the expert in milk. Mm-hmm. And he really knows everything about how to get the right proteins and the right carbohydrates and the right sugar levels and where energy comes from in milk for each species and how to, if you have to hand rear an animal in a zoo, which happens all the time, um, how to like make and formulate that milk. Because weirdly, you can't go to the grocery store and get red panda milk. You just can't. Um, and yeah, so there's like a lot that goes into both sides of this. Absolutely. It's, it's really cool to see that, um, collaboration between the, the, the different organizations or mm-hmm. the, you know, different parts of the conference. I've really enjoyed that. Um, I wanted to ask you what your personal like experience has been getting ready for the conference and then getting into the conference. Oh, goodness. So, um, I process the conference registrations as they come through, uh, prepare the name badges and the packets and the meal tickets and, uh, prepare everything to, we have to, we have to get it here. So, um, everything has got to be boxed up. And, <laughs> and then once we get here, everything has to be unboxed and there's still conference registrations to process and prepare and award certificates. Um, a lot goes into it. Um, I, I believe that. Yeah. Now, I'm. I, I. We do have the awards banquet coming up tonight. We do. Am I up for best podcast host, or is that just not a? Yeah, not a, you know, uh, the, <laughs> the awards have not been announced yet. Okay, fair, but fair. That might be a surprise. <laughs> it's going to be written in crayon and announced after everyone else has left. But yeah, I am fine. definitely going to go find some crayons. Now. <laughs> so, as you've been here, um, like what? It, I, cause I, okay, so the conference is happening in this main ballroomy type place. Mm-hmm. And you're out at registration a lot. But I see you, so I was hanging out today in up front with, um, with Sydney and with Ashley. Ashley. Yeah. Who I cannot wait to talk to on a future episode of the podcast. Um, and we were just chatting, just being friends, you know, like you do. And you, we're running around like a chicken <laughs> with your head cut off. So what was happening in that moment? Just so people understand like what goes into the logistics behind a smooth conference. Oh, okay. So um, actually, I think within that time period, I needed to run and print something off for a speaker. Oh, good. And I good. ran that up. And in that time, I received a request for printing something off. So we go and do that. And then I received a notification that we offer presidential awards. So I needed to get those prepared, and I prepared them and printed them and then got them to the right person. And then just checking on my team. You know, we all check on each other because we're go, 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 go. So we all check on each other and make sure we've gotten a meal or we need to step away from the chaos or need a coffee or a bathroom break. And so a lot of that too, I'm, I'm checking in on people to make sure that we're all, we're all covered. But I also make sure that I check on our attendees, you know, and stop and, you know, is there anything I can do for you? You know, is there, do you need help getting someplace? Can I answer any questions? Um, most of the attendees know who our team is and there's no telling what question you're going to get at what point in your travels. So there's a lot of times that I might leave registration 
and have a, a task to accomplish, but six tasks in that path get tacked onto it, which I'm absolutely happy to do. That's what we're here for. That's really cool. Really, really helps the day fly by, too. (laughs) And I bet, yeah. It's a really small team, though. Like, good team, but small team. We are, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's very cool to see. Um, Cool. Is there anything else you want to talk about with your experience of it? Uh, You know, I'm, I'm not sure. My mind stays blown every conference of the collective knowledge that is underneath this roof. So um, Sioux and Wildlife veterinarians are extremely humble. You know, they're here for the animals. They're, they are solely here for the animals. So to have a human give them the kudos of something that they've done or accomplished or an animal they saved... So many of them don't even, they don't, they don't think about that. You know, they just, they just want to save the animal and then they move on to save the next animal or, you know, make sure that, you know, everything has what it needs so that it has the strongest and healthiest life for itself. The uh, attendees and the members here are just, they're just amazing. Though to me, each and every one of them are my heroes. I love that. That's very cool. Now, there's one other thing that I want to address because it's very important, which is that we had an amazing zoo day. Oh my gosh, was that amazing. It was amazing. amazing. Um, And um, you had to work it. So you were doing stuff during a lot of it, although you did get to enjoy the evening part. But there was one animal that you wanted to see and they brought him out. Can you tell us who that was? Wilbur. Wilbur the Binturong. You got <laughs> oh to see Jake God. and Wilbur. He was so awesome. <laughs> I hope I get to have we're, we're hoping to meet Willow tomorrow. Yeah. But he was just the neatest thing. Oh, and you know what? If your listeners have never seen a Binturong before, look him up. Oh, trust me. They and have. a video. They, a video. they have. They, Don't you just should, look at a picture. You should see the stuff that I post. I do. I do. I, 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 I say, follow you. Do actually you. See the yeah, stuff I yeah, love yeah. your podcast. But no, yeah, I do. I do lots of uh, lots of Binturong stuff. It's it's they're amazing. They are. Wilbur's face is so squishy. It's like it's squishy. That's the only word for it. It's just it's like it's like compressed. I'm touch it. I know. And he's that so tail. Good. Oh my know, gosh, that yes. tail is so cool. Prehensile tails are the best. Yes. Cool. Um, awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time. This has been a blast. Thank you so much for giving us this time. We are so happy that you're here. Me too. This has been amazing. Yay. By the way, I absolutely love that Julie ended with the yay that I end so many of my interviews with. You can definitely tell that she is a fan and that really cracked me up. Uh, And then I have one more interview to share with y'all. And uh, this is the newest employee of the AAZV. Her name is Sydney, and um, really, I I loved talking to Sid because she brought a new, fresh perspective as somebody who was kind of getting to know a lot of these people for the first time, but also because we did an absolute deep dive into how um, the Zoo Day ended, which uh, was just kind of mind-blowing. Oh, and I also need to tell y'all that so I have these new microphones that I'm using to record a lot of uh, these interviews and stuff now, and I clap at the beginning to synchronize them. And it, it makes a lot of sense, and I edit it out. It just helps me line up all of the audio. However, I forgot to tell Sydney that, so you're going to get to hear me clap and her reaction. This is the second time in two weeks now that uh, a clap has made some some excitement on the podcast, which which cracks me up. Anyway, here we go. 
Mm. <laughs> All right. So start off by telling me who you are and who you work for. Yeah. So my name is Sydney. I am the PR and communications associate. That's a really fancy word. But um, basically I help uh, with the AAZV, the American Association of Zoo Veterinarians, and their nonprofit, the Wild Animal Health Fund. Yeah, you do. And um, tell me where we are right now. Not like we, physically. I know oh, that we're in a courtyard at yes, Sheraton. Yeah. But where are we? Hmm, we're on planet Earth. Uh, we, <laughs> we are at our annual conference. It's uh, This year it's in Nashville. The, yeah, the AAZB annual conference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so you helped like – you're new to the team. Yes, so let's talk about that. Very so when did, you, when did you sign on? Uh, late, let me think about the months. Late June. Okay. Yeah. And did you know that you were going to come in and have to, like, launch a crazy conference immediately? Kind of, but I didn't know this, it would be, like, this insane. <laughs> but, it's, yeah, it's no, insane. I'm dealing with it. It's nice. Yeah. Good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. So tell me things. What has prepping for this conference been like? Um, well, I would say that a – well – other people I work with, Aideen, Rob, and Julie, that's a lot on them. Mm -hmm. And I've been just trying to like help with them, especially because I work more with our nonprofit. It's more so like, hey, Julie, what can I help you with? That will help speed this up. And that way we're all prepared for this. Right. That's awesome. And having, and also um, I've been trying to interview some people that have worked with our nonprofit or like we've uh, done research. So, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, you mentioned that your your main work is with Wild Animal Health Fund. A yes. lot of what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Wild Animal Health Fund uh, is, is very important. We've talked about it on the pod before, but can you give like a quick synopsis of what it is for people listening? Yes. So all of our donations in get uh, sent to wildlife research more specifically veterinarians, to support wildlife research. And that includes both research in the wild and, and captive and wildlife. Yes. Yeah, yeah, which is really important to point out. Mm-hmm. Um, it Thanks. Is I'm, not, I'm not the best explainer, but you did it no for worries. me. I got you. But, uh, yeah, no, but it is it is very shocking to realize how much we don't know about what we have oh, in captivity. Oh, definitely. Yet, right? And, like, having, like, answers to all these problems that are going on when, like, people just guess or they just don't know and we just move forward. Like, yeah. Oh. It's astonishing. It's amazing. Yes. But that's also science. Like, it's mm. cool to see it happening. You know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, Wild Animal Health Fund had a very special night last night. Oh, my gosh. And so I wanted you to talk about that. And uh, do you know how much was raised total for Wild Animal Health Ooh. Fund last night? I do know with uh, the silent auction and the live auction that was going on, we raised around... Maybe like six. I know it's more than six thousand dollars. And then with the Nashville Zoo, I remember they said something about twenty. Okay. With uh oh my gosh, with the karaoke challenge. Yeah, so you have to explain this. Oh this my was gosh. Amazing. Hopefully, all right. Just to like verify, it was the it was the zoo directors. Yes. Challenging the head vets. Yes. To do karaoke to yes. a song of their choice, and it was interesting. We had fun, and then at the very end, apparently. The head vet and the zoo director from National Zoo are very good friends with Brad Paisley. Yes. So he went out and sang some songs. It was insane. It was, it was insane. It was okay. hard, it was hard to keep that a secret. But let's, <laughs> let's talk about the fact that it wasn't the, the my favorite part of this story is that yeah. it wasn't at the end. 
It mm. was in the middle. Yeah. And then more zoo vets had to get up yes. and sing karaoke yes. after so they, a Brad Paisley So they outdid him. <laughs> to be honest, some of them kind of like outdid him. Like, I, it was, I mean, so Rob, but it was who is, fun. you know, in charge of the AAZV, yes. uh, had to sing I'm Too Sexy. And it, it was, was the greatest thing I've ever experienced. It was so embarrassing. We had to get up there with him. You did. You did. You guys um, didn't even try to sing along. Oh, no, no. You just I stood just, in the corner and bopped. I was just like, uh-huh, yeah. I just... When am I getting off the stage? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the whole night I was just like, "Can I get on the stage, <laughs> please?" They should have ask, you up there. Yeah, right. I need to ask Dr. Heather if uh, she can make me Brad Paisley's new drummer. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so John Rossi featuring Brad Paisley. <laughs> oh my God, that needs oh, to be a thing. I knew I liked you. That's <laughs> that's good. Um, I'm funny yeah. sometimes. <laughs> And just by saying that, it became another one of those things. Yeah. That was good. That was good. So, um, yeah, is, is, um, is the conference hard to work at? No, I don't think so. I really, like, genuinely enjoy talking to all these people and, like, seeing what they do because it's insane. You don't realize how many zoo vets are until, like, you look in a room full of them and you're like, oh, you all do really important work. <laughs> really important work, yes. right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. have you noticed that they're all, I mean, they're all brilliant. Like, that is just yeah, a given. They're all really friendly. But yes, none of them are, I mean, I have not felt intimidated mm-hmm. speaking oh, to any no. of these people. No. They're amazing. They uh-huh. want to laugh. Um, I know a lot of them that I've talked to are so excited about the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been so trippy, like, yeah. being accepted in this group. You know, because mm-hmm. they're just, you know, they're brilliant. And then mm-hmm. they get up and they speak and they're like, and the antigenesis of the bloody bloody blue. And it I'm completely like, flies I over my head. These words. And yeah. And then, then you chat with them and they're like, yo, can we get a drink and mm-hmm. sing bad karaoke and, and just like, hang yeah. Out. And I'm like, hell yes, we can. They're just normal people that do like really cool things. Yeah. My favorite thing too is I feel like whenever you do something, you mm-hmm. take it for granted. I don't care how much you love it. You take it oh, for granted. Oh, yeah. So I'm sitting here with all these vets and I'm like, oh my God tell me everything and then they're like so what do you do and i'm like well i'm a professional drummer and i have this podcast and suddenly i'm the most interesting person in the room to them yeah and i'm like who who i play i play rockabilly music you you were inside a snow leopard last week yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's just amazing uh, yeah. very cool so mm. um what is one thing that you're going to take away from this conference as you prepare for next year in toronto mm. definitely like what these veterinarians are like are into and i guess just the general vibe because like going into this i didn't really know how this was like going to turn out and like i have a i had a great time i still i'm still having a great time it's so good yeah yeah hopefully that made sense but no it makes so (laughs) much sense because you're right i think i came here you know i do a lot with zookeepers and i've Mm -hmm. met a ton of vets and and pretty much every vet i've met has been fun but i'm always like oh but that's like you know they're the one fun zoo vet every time it's all of them you know, mm-hmm. well, go ahead. What were you going to say? I didn't like come into, th- I didn't come into this thinking they were going to be like super mean, but like, I didn't know it was going to be like this whole, it's, it's like, remember when they saying like, we are a family? I was like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's a vibe. Yeah. I didn't think they would be mean. I yeah. just thought there would be a whole lot of like, you know, we're going to do this about and this and this. Levels. Yeah, yeah. And like, just like, you know, um, yes, I actually, I, I thought <laughs> so, I like, would hear the word, yes, I thought I would hear the word actually a lot this mm-hmm. week and i haven't heard it at all no so. <laughs> that's true <laughs> yeah awesome well from mm-hmm. one weird civilian just here kind of because of what we do to another yes i'm so glad to have you as part mm-hmm. of this team now um, yeah. i'm glad we got to hang out and thank you for everything that you have done for this conference yeah thank you for showing up and doing this yeah yeah <laughs> So 
Oh, yeah. Um, Brad Paisley hanging out at the zoo, veterinarians doing really <clears throat> unique karaoke. Um, you know, those are some of the highlights wandering around downtown Nashville on Broadway with some really cool zoo vets from all around the country, right? Those are the highlights. But really what it all comes down to is the connection between people, whether it was me connecting with people for this, whether it was vets connecting and learning from each other, or even just cutting loose and stepping away from their email for a while, this conference was essential. It was so cool. It was so well done. And uh, I'm just so grateful to have been there. The entire team was amazing. And I don't just mean the team doing the work there. I mean, the, the team of veterinarians that showed up, you know, I, I have to tell y'all, you know, it came up a couple of times here, how humble veterinarians are. And it's true. I've noticed this. Um, but these stories need to be told. There was stuff that I learned about at this conference that has happened in the last year that blew my mind. And that's really cool, but it's also a little problematical when you think about it, because you, you know, I look for zoo news. I have an episode every week called zoo news. And sometimes I have over 30 people in a week send me the zoo news stories that they see. And y'all, we all missed some stuff because it's just not out there. So uh, part of my goal for this next year is to figure out a way to help make the amazing work being done by the AAZV, by the Wild Animal Health Fund, and honestly, just by the members of the AAZV, by the, the veterinarians that are out there doing the work at zoos, doing amazing stuff, coming up with revolutionary treatments, proving and disproving things, uh, you know, that we need to understand about animals, and then just going about their day without bragging about it. It's my goal to help them brag about it in this next year. I made some really amazing uh, connections. I've got some people who are going to be coming up on the podcast that are going to blow your mind, whether it is a um, veterinarian at the Cincinnati Zoo who I, I can't even I can't even give it away, but it's the coolest thing ever. Uh, the thing that she has figured out can really help the domestic cat population. That's all I'm going to say. Or whether it's talking to the uh, zoo veterinarian at the only zoo in Uganda and talking about what that looks like. We've got some stuff coming up, y'all. So I want to say thank you again to everyone at the AAZV for being such amazing partners. And uh, I hope y'all enjoyed this recap even just a quarter as much as I enjoyed being at the conference. If this is your first time listening because you were interested in the conference, make sure you hit subscribe. Make sure you follow along on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, threads, wherever, at Rossafari, on TikTok, at Rossafari Pod, uh, and, and come back on Friday for um, a Zoo News episode. And then on Tuesday, as we get back to our regularly scheduled awesome interview episodes with people that work at zoos. Uh, and remember, friends, the word credits backwards is Steiderk. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Rossi. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. 
You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.